Hello, I am Riley Wilson, and welcome to the Band of One podcast. This podcast is created to help anyone who wants to be a more successful solo performer or become a solo performer and avoid a lot of the pratfalls and mistakes myself and some of my contemporaries have made. I have over 50 years of live performance experience and will also include tips from other top pros worldwide who have done the same thing in their regions. My desire is to make this actionable as well as entertaining. If you like what we do, subscribe and don't forget to share. Let's get busy. Welcome to podcast number two, and today we're going to give you some more actionable items that will help you to get, again, from where you are to where you want to be. If you recall the ending of podcast number one, I asked you to record yourself playing something solo. Now, I hope you've done that. If you haven't, then please stop this podcast, go record yourself playing something, and listen back to it. What do you notice? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? How's the recording quality? Well, the recording quality probably doesn't matter that much. The idea is to get yourself comfortable being recorded. You know, I remember in the 1970s when answering machines became all the the rage and people were often disappointed to hear what their voices really sounded like. I'm old enough to remember uh, a little shtick that uh, I think it was Gary Owens used to do on Laugh-In. Hello and welcome to Laugh-In. And he would actually put his... uh, hand behind his ear. And that's a little trick you can use, by the way, those of you that are singers or, uh, in my case, voiceover people. And that is, if you really want to hear what you sound like, cup your hand and put it right behind an ear. What you'll notice is that you hear yourself in a fundamentally different way. Anyway, as you start recording yourself, you're going to hear things you like and things you don't like. As we discussed in the previous podcast episode, it really doesn't matter if you're a virtuoso or not. In fact, I almost think that being a virtuoso might be a hinderment in being a successful solo performer. Remember, if you're performing solo, the chances are good that you're doing that uh, in in an environment where you're not the star. Now, I could be wrong. You might have a record deal and you might go out there and play like a a Sir Elton John or a, a, a Leo Kotke or somebody like that, that they are the, the the star and everything is focused on them. But even Elton has a band behind him. And uh, generally speaking, a lot of times when we're performing solos, we're not the main attraction. We're there to lead ambiance if you're playing in a restaurant or if you're performing in a shopping center or in front of a store You're trying to get people to come in the store and spend their money. I've done lots of events like that. Your goal is to make whatever environment that you're in be a little bit more vibey, harmonious, fun to be at, an attraction, a place people want to congregate, however you want to explain it. And I think it's vital that we keep in mind that when we're performing solo, we may very well not be the main attraction. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to talk today about what you've recorded yourself, what the next step might be, and we're going to talk more about repertoire today. I think it's important that you develop a backlog of songs. Early on, you might shoot for 10 or 15 songs. I was listening to the Jimi Hendrix Band of Gypsies recording the other day, and they only had about six or seven songs, according to Jimmy's onstage patter, about the things they were able to play. So in the beginning, I'm going to encourage you to shoot for 10 to 25 songs. Uh, you can go certainly more than that, but I would, I would suggest having 10 to 25 songs that you feel good about 
that you feel like are an accurate representation of what you want to do. And let's get you thinking about that now. What do you want to do? Again, as we talked about in the previous example, what does success look like to you? I'm going to make some suggestions about some places you can contact for early gigs. Uh, But there's a lot of ways to do that once you've got some songs. Then you want to start thinking about the actual marketing of things. I think one thing that most musicians don't realize is that we're independent business people. One of my big regrets is that not only in my high school experiences, but while attending North Carolina State University and the University of North Carolina, I didn't take a single business class. And I remember years ago in a sales job, which I had taken because I wasn't making enough playing just gigs or teaching or voiceovers, is that I learned that everyone in life is selling something. We're either selling goods or services or we're selling ourselves. And Generally speaking, when you're a solo performer, you're doing both. You have to be able to sell yourself to get somebody to hire you. And then you're selling a goods or a service. In this case, the service is you're selling your entertainment or your ability to perform music and entertain people. So always keep in mind that we are in the sales business. With that in mind, there are some excellent people to read sales books and marketing books by. I've already mentioned Brian Tracy in a previous podcast. There is a Zig Ziglar book I was given 40-plus years ago on a job I was doing selling guitar straps over the phone for a guy named Larry Knight at Silver Eagle. How to, uh, The Secrets of Closing the Sale by Zig Ziglar. And it's a great book. If you don't have it, I recommend that. There are probably four or five books that you could go out and get as a result of listening to this podcast that will help you begin your music business career. And understand that performing solo, you are a musician and a businessman, and you are in business. Um, I think that how to win friends and influence people ought to be taught in every high school in the land. And I think that's a critical book. So that book by Dale Carnegie is the first one. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is also excellent. The Eat That Frog book by Brian Tracy is a wonderful book because it helps you to overcome sometimes your your fear or trepidation about accomplishing something. And the last one that I certainly would recommend is Secrets of Closing the Sale by Zig Ziglar. One of the things you can begin doing right away, let's say even you've got a full-time job and, and you're just thinking, well, this might be something kind of fun to do on the side, or maybe you play once a month at a, a restaurant or something like that, but you want to do more. One of the things I recommend that you do is to spend a little time early each day actually reading something of value to help you increase your success chances in the music business. And the music business for you or me might be something very humble. It might be playing at an open mic or, uh, you know, playing a a private party that some friends are are having and they're willing to pay you a little bit for it, whatever it is. Understand you're in the music business and that you want to learn how to do business. The book titles I just mentioned will help. But another thing that's very beneficial is to spend a part of the day, and I recommend doing this first thing in the morning. Again, this is a Brian Tracy success principle. He said that most of the very successful people in the world whether they are in uh, politics or art or business or whatever it is that they do, they're reading generally 50, uh, 30 minutes to an hour every day, sometimes more than that. And if you read early in the day, for example, a salesperson that reads for an hour every day uh, is generally going to make a lot more money than a person that doesn't do that. You can also listen to podcasts like this one. And I highly recommend that you increase your mental capacity which will increase your gigging capacity as well. So once you've got, again, some material you're starting to perform and you've got an idea about 
what it is your solo act is going to look like, one of the things you can do is to shoot a videotape. And one of the great, great tools that we have at our disposal here in the 21st century are cell phones. Even a, a cell phone that's 10 years old has got a video capabilities, at least a small amount of video capabilities. And videoing yourself and seeing what you look like when you're performing is one of the greatest success principles for musicians. Do you know the story about KISS and how they became so big so quickly? Bill Aukoyne, who was their first manager, managed to get a couple of video cameras because he'd been in the television business before he started working with KISS. And they were actually able to videotape their early rehearsals before they'd played a single show to see how they looked, to see how they moved, to see what worked and what didn't. And so they automatically had a visual impact for audiences that other bands that were performing on similar bills with them in 1974, 75, 76 just didn't have. Go watch a YouTube video of KISS and you'll see exactly what I mean. And turn into an early one, something like Firehouse or Deuce or Strutter that was actually material off that first record. They had rehearsed those songs on video long before they performed them live. One of the great things about watching a video of yourself performing is you'll find out if you've got a nervous tick or something that's not appealing. Maybe you have a tendency to, to speak off microphone and you don't talk right into the microphone or you don't look at the audience. There are a lot of little things you can do that videotape will help you clean up so that you have a professional presentation, even if you're just sitting in a corner playing piano. You want to be able to have a pleasant experience or a pleasant visual representation. Cell phones can help you with that. As we've talked about, if you have nothing else, you can always use a cell phone to record yourself. One of the tricks that I do, and I've done for some time, is that my wife, who often accompanies me on gigs, will take her phone and record video of me performing. I can watch it back. I can see what works. I can see what doesn't. She'll often share that on Facebook. And I have an opportunity sometimes, if I want to get several of those performances, cobble them together with a video editing program. I like Filmora uh, for my Macintosh, but you can use any video program. And then put those out on YouTube so that potential clients can see me in action, actually performing some of the material that I would probably perform for them in person. So video cameras are really, really beneficial early on when you're still honing what you're about to do. Making notes about what you'd like to do. Again, we talked about in the previous episode, make a list of what you'd like your act to look like, how often you'd like to work, where you want to work, um, what kinds of events you want to do. Do you wish to travel? There are so many different questions you'll want to ask yourself. Early on, I think as we start helping you to get to have that first gig, or if you've got a gig, to get more gigs, I think it's really important, first of all, that you have a re repertoire. Uh, I would shoot for 25 songs eventually by the time to play out, but at least 10 would be a good start, even if you just went and played an open mic for an hour. And now let's just address some basic places that you can get out and start performing, particularly if you are at the early stages of this. An open mic at a club is a great place. Those places generally require uh, nothing except a willingness to get up in front of other people. And the great thing about doing that in that environment is that there's zero expectations. Um, you don't have uh, uh, media or uh, radio or television or uh, people videotaping to put that online about how your performance went because you don't already have a track record. We're developing one. So an open mic is a great place to do that. Private parties. 
most really good acts have spent at least a little time playing private parties. Van Halen did that for years. And they're not the only ones. There are a lot of other companies, a lot of other acts, both solos, duos, trios, quartets, you name it, that spend a lot of time playing private parties. So if you have friends that are having an event, offer to perform early on. Again, if you're just getting into this, offer to do it for free as just a, 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 a one-off show to kind of see how it goes. And that will give you an opportunity, hopefully, if somebody can come along and videotape you to see how it actually went. One of the things that I do, and I've done for some time, I have a little Zoom H1 recorder. And I'm able to record almost all my shows directly off the back of my uh, either Fishman Artist Solo Amplifier or uh, the output of the uh, Electro Voice Evolve 30 PA system, which we discussed briefly last time. And I can record my entire set see how the patter that I'm talking to clients with over the microphone, did that go, what worked, what didn't, um, how did the song sound, is the mix between my voice and my guitar and the tracks uh, correct. And again, it's going to look a little different for each of you. But when you record yourself, you can use that information we learned from Brian Tracy last time, what did I do right and what could I do differently. That will help you over a period of time to really fine-tune what you do. And recording, again, is a great way Uh, audio recording, video recording, both if you can, but at least one will help you over a period of time to get better and better and better. And then it's simply a matter of continuing to do what you do. For example, I book myself on events. I have clients that have seen me before at a party that hire me. Um, I have a couple of uh, booking agents that I work with locally that hire me here in the DFW area, not anywhere near as much as it was 25 years ago. But the business has changed. I would say probably 90% of my online work is through the two big pay-to-play gigging sites, uh, The Bash, which used to be called Gig Masters, and also Gig Salad. And we'll talk about the advantages of being in an online thing on an upcoming podcast. But for right now, as I said, that's probably 90% of my work right now. When we first moved to Texas, I got a gig at a restaurant and played there every weekend for three years. And so essentially selling myself one time allowed me to have a permanent part-time job every weekend for 36 months, really. And that worked out beautifully. That helped me to build a teaching business in a brand new town and helped me to meet several people, including some celebrities that were a lot of fun that I got to meet and perform and play for. Uh, Again, these were all opportunities that came about because of a single gig that I had. And one thing that you may ask yourself is, Do you want to do mostly one-off single shows or would you like to work with a single company like a restaurant? And I may keep mentioning restaurants because restaurants are kind of where I learned to do what I did. Um, And that's a great place with little or no pressure. Another place you can start doing that is church. And I don't talk about this very often, but my dad played acoustic guitar and sang and he would often do uh, gospel tunes. And I was accompanying him in the Baptist church when I was 14 or 15 years of age, the great thing about that is that that was my very first live performance. I'm performing with my dad. And so since he was singing lead vocals and playing rhythm guitar, all I had to do was back him up. I wasn't required to be front and center and doing that. Um, and that was a great way for me to have a little pressure or a low pressure, no pressure environment. So if you haven't already, you might want to consider performing at a church. Again, there are generally little expectations, and there's generally a lot of love aimed at the performer, which I think are important. 
You have to develop a love for yourself. You know, one of the things that Brian Tracy talks about on his uh, self-confidence programs and on just about the laws of achievement is the importance of having a healthy self-concept. One of the things he says is that if you want to develop self-confidence, stand in front of the mirror and say over and over again, I like myself, 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 over and over and over. And it's important that we have a healthy self-love. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about ego. I'm not talking about narcissism. I'm talking about a healthy self-love for who we are and how we can share the talents that we have with other people and help them to be happy and help them to enjoy themselves. What we're really in the business of doing is we're selling good vibes, if you want to call it that, or happiness or good feelings or helping to add to a situation to make a party even a better party. And I've seen this happen so many times, particularly with solo gigs, because we have an opportunity, because it's just one person, to really bring something outstanding, and yet we're not detracting from the specialness of the event. I do tons of birthday parties. Um, I've done, uh, obviously, things like wedding proposals or wedding receptions. There's all kinds of different gigs. Obviously, open to the public jobs, concerts occasionally, which are fun any number of different private events where people would hire music. And the idea is for us to feel good about ourselves and bring that good feeling to others through our music. So we've talked today about some specific actionable books that you can read. This will help you to develop a a better sense of self and a better belief in yourself. We've talked about some places that you can look at playing. We've talked about recording yourself, audio or videotape that will help you to start honing what you do. And by the way, you don't have to rush what you do. It might take you six months or a year or more to feel comfortable playing a variety of material and seeing what you look like on videotape or hearing what you do before you start talking to other people. There's never a timeline. Again, one of the great things about performing solo is that it is ultimate flexibility and freedom. If there's a gig that comes along that you don't want, you don't have to take it. And I think that's vital. Again, the purpose of working solo is to allow us to do exactly the jobs that we want to do in the environments that we feel comfortable with and able to bring the talents, the the gifts that we have and share them with others to help others feel great. And I think these are are some of the, the ways that we could do that. So again, as I said, this next time, start listening to some positive material like podcasts like this one, reading positive material. Get to a point where you've got 10 to 25 songs, start recording what you do, and then think about some specifics in the future. Hey, what would it be like if I could play an Italian restaurant once a month? Or what would it be like if I could do a gig at that flea market from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Saturday morning? How could I use those things to help me develop and build a solo act that I'm proud of? And if you do these things, I guarantee you, You're going to be able to start having fun, enjoying the process. It's lucrative. We'll talk about money in an upcoming episode. But for now, just give yourself permission to be a business person, to learn about business, to learn about marketing at a very basic level, to learn about how to help yourself feel good about what you do, videotape what you do, have some material. And we'll talk about this more in an upcoming episode. That's all for today. You've been listening to the Band of One podcast. I'm Riley Wilson, and thanks for joining us. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes, we'd love to hear from you. 
Get in touch with us at your convenience, or you can also contact me directly on our webpage, guitarmadesimpler.com. See you next time.